And um, actually, when I was incarcerated, it's when I told myself, like, I'm no longer going to be quiet. Like, um, I didn't feel as if I deserved to be in jail um, when they did lock me up. I didn't deserve the treatment that they were, how they were treating me while I was there. I didn't like how they were treating other women while they were, while I was there. And I was like, I'm never being quiet again. All right, all right. I got my sister friend Val um, on here today. And I'm going to tell a little bit about just how I met her. Um, we were on winter break hanging out and uh, we saw another sister in the, in the that's in the movement, Topeka, reached out to her and didn't even know that she was about to bring um, this warrior with her, Val. And uh, we got to talking and found out that Val is a native of Miami, one of the most beautiful places in the U.S. and also one of the most expensive. But we also want to talk about like how Val decided to serve the homeless community in her hometown of Miami and Atlanta, providing much needed resources. Val is the organizational uh, founder of Smile Trust and also provides grassroots for disaster relief efforts. So thank you and welcome Val for coming on today and uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself because I mean as I was doing the research I was like this girl rolls <laughs> up her sleeves do you hear me? <laughs> I'm doing a little something something so um hey everybody thank you for having me um this is Valencia Gunder um folks call me V Val um, whatever rolls off your tongue nicely um yeah I'm from Miami um, not Miami Beach. <laughs> whatever you think it looked like that's not where i'm from i'm from okay. the other side of the causeway where the you know the working class under-resourced populations are from my family's been here for a very very long time um one part of my family is actually to question which is indigenous to this area okay. and um the other part of my family comes from the bahamas um been here for many many generations and i'm super proud to be from here um I do think Miami is one of the most beautiful places to live, um, if not for nothing, just for the weather. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> but don't get it twisted. It's okay. a, still a part of the Jim Crow South, and it okay. also um, feels like it sometimes, you know? Um, and I um, I live in a community called Liberty City. It's a historically Black neighborhood here in Miami. It's right next to another amazing Black community called Little Haiti, which is the largest Haitian population outside of the country of Haiti. Um, it's beautiful. Um, Miami is a place, um, is a tropical paradise. You can go to different neighborhoods and feel like you're visiting another country. Absolutely. Um, yes. From Little Havana, you feel like you're in Cuba. You go down to Coconut Grove where you can feel like you're in the Bahamas. Um, going into Little Haiti, feel like you're in Haiti. The smell, the music, um, the feel of it. In Alapata, you feel like you're in the DR. It feels so great. And um, just to have that at the fingertips of my life and my childhood and my growth um, makes me very, very happy. And it also exposed me to different cultures. Yeah. Um, one thing about Miami, Black people, most of us not American here. No. Um, so, um, you know, you, you meet a lot of different types of Black people from all across the diaspora, especially from the global South, the Caribbean, uh, from South America, and you get to engage different types of melanin and different type of Black culture in our city, um, all by keeping in mind that mm -hmm. we still deal with all the other things. Miami is now the most expensive city to live in in the United States of America. Mm -hmm. And um, with that, you know, that impacts other things like people access to housing, people access to jobs and other resources that people need to be okay. 
And that's some of the work we do at the Smile Trust. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Like, uh, how did how did you get motivated to 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 get into this work? I mean, you know, obviously I understand you see your neighborhood, you see how things and expensive everything is. Like, what motivated you to just like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a get agent agent of change, starting in my neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. So um Back in 2010, um, that was my first time ever activating to respond to community. Um, when the earthquake hit Haiti, I was still living in Tallahassee. I went to FAMU for school. Okay. And um, that's in North Florida for folks who are not familiar with the landscape of Florida. And um, I, you know, was able to send a lot of resources to Haiti um, with the help of the Haitian community here in Miami. And right after that, I ended up homeless myself. I uh, ended up being homeless and I moved back home. Then I faced incarceration. <laughs> okay. um, so after my incarceration, I came back home and I rebuilt. And um, actually when I was incarcerated is when I told myself, like, I'm no longer going to be quiet. Right. Like, um, I didn't feel as if I deserved to be in jail. Yeah. Um, when they did lock me up. I didn't deserve the treatment that they were, how they were treating me while I was there. I didn't like how they were treating other women while they were, while I was there. And I was like, I'm never being quiet again. Wow. And, um, I came home. It took me a few years um, mm-hmm. to like get back on my feet financially and things like that. But when I did, I was like, I'm going to go out there and help serve. And I just thought about like the times when I was homeless, like how far the resources were, like folks don't have access to the buses or cars and having to get cross town to get food or temporary housing. Um, also thinking about like how people mistreat individuals, even folks who claim they're serving, mm-hmm. serving the unsheltered. Um, like, I just feel like it was just, was like this disconnect, like, like the unsheltered population was just a different set of people. Like they didn't belong in the fabric of America. And you see that around the world, like usually impoverished people are usually left out of decision making, um, usually are treated any kind of way, even through service. And I wanted to change that. Um, So I went out there. Actually, I thought I was going to do it one time. (laughs) I went out there to serve and eight years later. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I mean, you know, like, you made up your mind when you were incarcerated that this is, you know, you're no longer not going to, you know, not use your voice. You're going to make sure that you start to use your voice. And then when you get out, you have all these experiences that are, well, I would like to say resistance, you know, showing up. Right. And in order for you to even get on your feet to make, how did you overcome that? Like, how did you, just stay true to what you promised yourself while you were incarcerated. Because sometimes, you know, inside can be a different conversation than when you get on the outside. Yeah. Oh yeah. They change true to your word. Yeah. So, um, one, I learned to be of service to other people. So what I was doing was I would go volunteer at other folks. Um, you know, when they had volunteer opportunities, um, I would like help people check folks in and go serve food with other folks, you know, um, even though I was not able to do it myself, like off, off my own merit at first, mm-hmm. 
I didn't know what I was doing yet. Okay. Two, I didn't have the resources to do it. Mm-hmm. And so what I did was like, well, until then, like, let me go help somebody else. And that's what I was doing. I was, people had turkey giveaways. I'm right there helping to pass out the turkeys. People doing a block cleanup. I'm there with my gloves on and grab me a garbage bag. It was just like, as long as I am in service to the people, I mm-hmm. thought I was getting on the right track. And that was the right thing to do. It was the right absolutely, thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I know they, the saying is that oftentimes when you feel like you in a bad way, go be of service to someone else and you'll see that, you know, your way ain't so bad. Right. right. And then also you're changing, you know, the dynamics of the person who you are being of service to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know that one of the things that stuck with me, Val, you know, uh, when having that conversation, you said no permanent friends, no permanent enemies. And I thought, wow, like that, that's the way that's the way of being in the moment right then and right now. Right. Because, you know, you have, you might think you got a certain friendship with someone or some beings or organization and you call on them. They might not be there for you. Or you might feel like these people are enemies at the moment, but you know, like that time shall pass. You may be able to circle back to them people all at any point in time. It just not, might not be at that point right now. And yeah. I thought that that was super powerful because it's basically saying, don't take it personal. We don't know what's on the other end, whether good or bad. That's just right now. Very true. Very true. And I, I, I had to learn that because, um, you know, thinking everybody going to move like you will have you a heart full of heartbreaks. Mm. And, um, I also understood that um, I would always be in opposition with some folks. Mm-hmm. And sometimes your opposition could be like a strange bedfellow in the midst of a, a crisis, right? Yeah. And um, as I do a lot of advocacy also mm-hmm. with fighting for legislation for incarcerated women and girls, um, I do a lot of advocacy work around housing and gentrification here. I realized that the no permanent enemies, no permanent friends was the best information. Actually, it was advice from one of my mentors many years ago. Like, only people that you stay um, committed to is the people you're serving on beside and the people that you're actually serving. Um, those, those are your people right there. Everybody else, you maneuver how you need to maneuver to get what you need to serve the best way you can. And I, um, I took that advice. It was perfect advice for me. I still carry that mindset still to this day. And I, um, you know, still understand when to count my losses and just mm-hmm. leave, right? Right. Most of the time, I, I think with that attitude, it just works out for me in a better. Um, it, it helps me with lots of stress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then also it helps me with um, being able to maintain relationships. That's super a- positive. I mean, it's super powerful. I mean, I definitely have adopted that because, Doing this work, it takes a lot of emotional fortitude. Yeah. <laughs> and and if you spend a lot of time focusing on the enemy or a foe or a friend or this and this and that, then like you said, you get distracted and the end user is not getting what they what you said that you want to do. That's Speaking right. about that end user thing, you know, um, I learned that oftentimes that some people get so tied up into the the whole charity thing, it becomes like a toxic charity, right? How do you uh, 
stay focused on the end goal and, 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 you know, not get involved when it becomes a toxic situation Yeah, navigate that rather. Yeah. So, um, my mindset around it is, um, so I don't do charity work. Right. That's the thing. I create models of self-determination and I restore hope. Like I, my goal is not to serve people. My goal is to get resources to people so they can serve themselves. Yeah. Um, because I don't want nobody walking around here depending on Valencia every day to, to get what they need. Mm. Now, what I would like for people to do is for me to be able to teach them the tools mm-hmm. for them to be able to, to respond to themselves ultimately. And even with the unsheltered population that I serve, most of the time, I um, they're the ones who are there serving themselves. I just bring the tables and the food. They get mm-hmm. behind it. They unpack those boxes. They pass out the clothes. They help pass out the drinks. Um, I do allow the volunteers to do the food just for mm-hmm. safe measures. Um, I mean, they, they serve themselves. They serve themselves. I just bring tools. And that's the goal. Um, even when I serve families, that's what I do. I always make sure people know how to serve themselves. All I am bringing is you the tools and the resources. And I think that helps people um, more than anything because um, what I want to do away with is soup lines. Okay. I like mm-hmm. to restore dignity in people because people know how to take care of themselves. Just sometimes people don't have the resources to do so. Right. So yeah. you're giving the tools to fish. Yes. You know what I'm saying? You're not giving them the fish. You're giving the tools right. to fish and they can fish forever. Right. I know that you mad. Life is on trash. You sit on your ass. Not me at all. I put in work. Work. I'm in my bag right now. Ain't no one help me out. No, not at all. So, like, getting back into those those tools that you, you know, provide or or the models, like even that abundance model that you talk, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, I um, one thing I don't like people to feel like mm-hmm. when they walk away from me is guilt. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know that feeling all too well. And I just feel like you could be a service to people without making them feel that way. I just mm-hmm. believe it. And that was one of the goals. It was just like to literally give people what they need in that moment to have what they need to be okay. Like, that's just how I look at the world and everything. And honestly, I just think back to my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I remember, my father, my father um, used to be addicted Mm-hmm. Drugs. And I'm really proud of my parents, both of them. They're clean now, mm-hmm. thriving, healthy I'll lives. Share. Yes, yes. And um, my father, when he when he got clean, my father started to go to the NA meetings, and he would take me to all of them with him. And um, I just remember in those things, like it was always self determination toward. It was like we can help you with your um, your um, sobriety, but it is you who have to actually walk that, you know, like mm-hmm. I saw my father and my mother, like they decided for themselves, mm. right? The 12 step program was just a tool and a resource to assist them, but they had to have the self-determination themselves, right? Mm-hmm. To want to be clean, mm-hmm. to want to change their lives. And they did that. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was such a good idea. Like that is right. Right. If I want to, 
you know, be um, being unsheltered or be incarceration. If I want to do these things, I have to be self-determined to get to the life I want to be in. And um, I, I watched my parents do it. And I, you know, just took that in my mind. Like, that's right. That is right. Like, I, if somebody give me the tools and the resources, I can do it. And that's how I function on earth. Like, no matter who I'm helping, I'm always helping to support somebody to be able to take care of themselves. Self-determination mm-hmm. is one of the... <clears throat> Things. That's one of um, my favorite um, principles for Kwanzaa mm-hmm. um, because that's so real. That's so real. Like um, codependency is not healthy, and that's what charity does. It makes yeah. you codependent on a system opposed to you being able to somebody teaching you how to stand up on your own two feet, and then you go from there. Now, don't get it twisted. Some people don't mm-hmm. have the feet. Right. 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 And that's okay because that's what I'm serving for, right? Okay. And also, maybe I don't need to get this person's shoes, but I could definitely help them get a wheelchair. Like, we could figure this thing out, right? But you have to want to be able to figure it out. And um, that's how I show up. Like, the the unsheltered people that I service here mm-hmm. in Atlanta, these are some of the smartest people I ever met in my life. Like, they're smart. They're well-read. They're very well-spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll tell you some of them just had a, a bad bout in life or mm-hmm. You know, incarceration knocked them on their on their butts, mm-hmm. or um, they dealing with mental health issues okay. um, that that got them in these spaces. And honestly, um, for me, like I was a college graduate and got laid off my job and ended up out there the same way mm-hmm. <laughs> they were. And I just was blessed enough for my family to have the resources and the tools to get me to where I am now. So that's the goal always. Like you, you don't have to feel less than because you need support in this one time. Right. Um, hell, like I'm, I'm grown with a job and got my mm-hmm. quote, quote unquote myself together. And a lot of times I still need help. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and recognizing, you know, there's a power, power and choice, right? Like you said, the self-determination, but the determination has to be a choice that you make has to be a choice that you make wow that's that's pretty powerful right there so like when people who are looking to help or serve right what are like what tips would you give if they're if you're looking to to be and really be be impactful to at-risk communities yeah so um i mean you've already dropped some gems like you know obviously um, well, number one is your block first, right? Yeah. Um, before I could go serve anywhere around the country and the other countries like I do now, I had to make sure Miami felt the impact of Valencia, right? I needed to make sure my neighbors knew what it is that I was doing and um I was of service to my people first. Mm-hmm. Um, you ever heard the saying is think globally but act locally? Yes. Um I took that approach at first. I was just yeah. like, I'm gonna make sure that my people are um, are feeling the impact of my work, right? Your block then, first. Yes, my block first. And um, also, like, nobody knows everything. So get out and do it anyway. Like, when I first started, people were like, well, people feed the homeless all the time. That's true, but people still hungry. So right. I'm going to go out and do it again. Okay? Right. Right. And, and even when people come to me, they be like, Valencia, I have this idea to want to go out and feed the homeless. Let me tell you what to do. I always tell people what I do. Go do this, do that part, do this part. This is a good place for you to go set up and things like that because I'm not out there every day. 
Right. People need to eat. Like, right. I'm not the only person. So um, that's also thinking in the mindset of abundance over scarcity. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Yes, abundance over scarcity. And also, just don't be afraid to make mistakes, you know. Partnering with people, learning from other people is always a good thing. I have so many mentors, Topeka being one. Yeah. So many mentors, people who I, I sit next to and I watch them work. Yeah. I learn from them. Yeah. I listen to how they handle themselves in spaces. And um, I take the meat and lead the bones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I take all the good pieces that's fitting to me and I yeah. leave the rest on the table and yeah. go to the next, you know? And then also... Um, don't be afraid of your vision. Mm. Sometimes, like, I, I remember times, like, when I um, used to have to, like, scrape up the money to do um, Smile Days, which is when we go out and do our outreach to the uh, shelter. And, I mean, scraping up the money, like, down to the penny to buy the supplies. And I didn't care what I had to do. I did it every month. And I, because um, I, I wasn't afraid of my vision. Like, I knew that this was something like if I actually leaned into it, that it could be impactful for folks. And then lastly, I'll just tell folks to like, remember no matter how big you grow to you, for you to always stay in service. So one thing about me, my team gets on me all the time. I have full-time staff, yeah. multiple cities and all these partners and things. And if you come out to smile day, one Sunday, I'm right there scooping up the rice, right, passing out the clothes. And I know like technically I don't have to do the hands-on work. But I, I always believe it's humbling, right? Yes. Get behind that table and, and, and help out, right? So you never forget. And not saying that I have to do it every day, but every now and again, I still get out there and be of service, like in a real way, hand to hand, because I that's for me to yes. stay grounded. It's for me to stay grounded, for me to stay focused. And for me to make sure I remember all the things, like when the unsheltered people want to have conversations with me, I have all the ears for them to listen. Um, And they got me. Like, people know exactly what they want and they need. Like, when I be moving through the world, they be like, yo, P, we need this, or we need more of that. And I bring those specific items, and it's always so good. And um, that, that, you know, is the impact right there. Like, you can see people um, from I put in work. I know that it hurts. I know that you mad. Life is on trash. You sit on your ass. Not me at all. I put in work. Work. I'm in my bag right now. Ain't no like what you hear? That's Shad Jones with work. So many moments of Find her music on Spotify. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's a lot of conversation about the, you know, fair chance um, employees and things like that. And like, obviously, the pandemic has shown now that there's some of the hardest working people and self-determined people out there. Right. And before they, they didn't even they hardly got a look. But I think the pandemic has also changed that we have some of the most amazing genius minds coming out of places of incarceration, or my doc, you said, might have had, you know, um, been living in a shelter. But I believe also that people should get the second chance and that people should have an opportunity to to use self-determination, not be written off. So like when 
people want to get involved with organizations such as yours, how can they reach out? Where, how do they start? Like to get in contact with me? Is that what you're asking me? Well, it could even be I'll your start. organization or just how they can just start being of service to their own community. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you remember I was telling you about my brain fog. It's okay. It's all good. <laughs> so, um, one, I think to start is think about the thing that you do really well. Okay. Right? Like me, I feed people. I feed people all the time. I love feeding people. Yeah, I heard you and Topeka talking about the salad that she wanted you, you to keep. <laughs> like the kale salad. I always tell people I'm putting black people on kale one salad at a time. One oh, salad yeah. at a time. Um, but yeah, like I like feeding people even in my home. Like it's just something I really like to do. I cook well. I went to school for international agricultural business. Mm-hmm. So I know like the business side of it, logistics side of it. And I just felt like this is the thing. This is where I belong. It comes natural to me and I enjoy doing it every day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think when people want to figure out how to serve, mm-hmm. I always tell them to think about the thing that you do the best and offer that service to people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is awesome. If it's tutoring, mm-hmm. if it's fitness, like you all, mm-hmm. um, like if it's entrepreneurship, if it's coding, if it's design, those things, because everybody needs a lot of things, right? Absolutely. Um, I also um, tell people be willing to test, right? Mm-hmm. The way the Smile Trust started is not the way it function right now, right? Because right. we own things have shifted, and um, I feel as if um, the ability to change and evolve is what helps us sustain ourselves and innovation. And lastly, work in partnership. Like your one organization, your project cannot fix all the problems. Absolutely. Last year, the Smile Trust touched 200,000 households with food in four different countries. And that still ain't fixing nothing. Well, not everything, right? Right. We still need partners. We still need more people feeding. We still need more people serving. Mm -hmm. We need more people doing what the Smile Trust do. You know what I'm saying? Like we more of it and I work like that like I've worked with um, other organizations that do food security work people who have community gardens I figure out ways to support um, community pantries and things like that because I feel like if we work together we'll be even more impactful more than just what my one organization can do mm-hmm. and um, lastly listen to the people you serve we have to stop thinking people don't know what they need to be okay. That is a falsehood. People know what it is that they need to be okay. And I also think like when people go into a place with the ideology of serving and not listening to what the people say their needs are, that is not service. No, that's it's called fire service. hosing with your supposedly professionalism. Right. Yeah, it's savior, the savior complex. Savior complex, right? yeah. Um, I even know, like, even in, in incarceration, like, people are like, oh, well, this is what the man they say. No, I'm telling you what I need to be okay, safe, and healthy, yeah. right? Um, so when we out in the community, I make sure people think through those things. Like, don't tell nobody what they don't need, right? Mm-hmm. And you can tell them what resources you have and in mm-hmm. which way you can help them. But don't tell people what you don't need. And honestly, as over the years and now that we listen We've listened to our community. Now the services we have, we run out of everything so quick now. When we set up, we set up like a pop-up kitchen mm-hmm. and a pop-up flea market has 
um, hot showers, haircuts, hairdos, clothes, and food. And within like two hours, it'd be all gone. Like, like the line go through so good. And it's what people ask us to bring right. every single time. Right. And um, then we're able to serve people in a more clear, abundant way. Mm-hmm. And then also we have very little waste oh. because actually have right. what people want. So, um, it, and it feels good. People always feel really good um, to come serve us. We make sure that our services are inclusive of all folks. Um, queer, trans, mm-hmm. fat, skinny, mm-hmm. young, older, differently able folks, everybody can get service at the Smile Trust. Mm-hmm. And we try to make sure we go out of our way. So many times we in conversations just like, okay, how can we do this better? Or I saw somebody who had this type of ability who was not able to actually stand in line. So now we have a space for folks that are in wheelchairs and that have leg problems. Y'all sit down over here. We're going to bring out y'all food um, so that they don't have to stand in the line. Like we try our hardest to serve people as best as possible. Um, And then also we make it very easy for volunteers to want to come volunteer with us. That's another thing. Um, when When you have a goal, um, especially when you're serving, you're not supposed to build it just for yourself. Like I didn't build a small trust for me. Right. I built a small trust for the community and not just the people that we serve, but also the community that we're in. Mm-hmm. And um, every, every month when we go out, we probably get like 40 to 50 volunteers come out there in different cities, ready to throw down, give whatever they can and support as much as possible without any complaint. And all we ask for, for everything, for you to volunteer, for all services, we just ask for a smile. That's for a smile. That's awesome. And how, at the end, we're going we're gonna to leave the information on how they can come and volunteer. Too. Yeah. I, the last thing I wanted to ask you today, just like you you do pour so much in your community and I mean over here I got the goosebumps it's just like you know you mentioning community partners partnering with more people that's just like you because you know that your organization is not you know the only organization so there's no competition you saying come join me and get in this thing right so I think that that's beautiful the other thing is like you have community partners that you work with and you're you're making the way for your own, you know, taking care of your block and many other blocks. What would be your legacy? What would you like your legacy to be? Yeah, um, my legacy. Um, one, I feel like I'm carrying on somebody else's legacy already. Mm-hmm. Um, the late Fannie Lou Hamer, she did a lot of work around food security and share um, sharecropping um, with folks in the Deep South. And um, although she was a feminist and an activist and things like that, it was the work that she did with black farmers and with food to make sure folks had what they needed that um, draws me near and dear to her. Mm-hmm. So I always feel like I'm my ancestors' contingency plan, not their wildest dreams. I Come don't live on now. I'm walking this earth. And honestly, um, I also feel um, like my legacy is just literally – um, for communities to really start to be self-determined around food. Mm. Um, I want people to know how to literally um, crowdsource food for their communities, know how to share it and get it out to our communities so we can minimize that impact of hunger and malnourishment. I, I really believe that that's my calling. And I believe that um, teaching folks how to do that on a regional level 
in their local communities is the best thing ever. And when I leave this earth, I just hope as many people as possible know and understand. They even got to know my name. I don't even need to know my name. I just need them to remember how to take care of themselves and pass feed to somebody else. Mm, a, le- a legacy of how to sustain for yourself, not be dependent. Yes. Yeah, that's super powerful. That is super powerful. Well, um, I'm not going to take too much more of your time. I want to thank you for being on here. I want the listeners, though, to find out, you know, even in Atlanta, even in Miami, how they can find you, how they can, not you, but the Smile Trust and volunteers. So go ahead and kick that to them. Absolutely. So if you all want to catch up with us, we are at thesmiletrust.org. Um, and we are we are the Smile Trust on all platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, you can sign up to volunteer. You can um, follow the work that we're doing. You can um, support us, make donations, um, financial, monetary. Um, and if you want to do um, in-kind donations, yeah. Donations, go. So if you want to give in-kind donations, we take those on the day of um, of Smile Day. So in Miami, we do it every third Sunday. And in Atlanta, we do it every fourth Sunday. If you go to our website, you'll be able to find out all of that good information. And um, lastly, if um, you want a partner, hit us up. My email is Valencia at WeSmileFreely.com. And you can shoot me an email and I'll put you in touch with my team for you to be able to partner with us. We always looking for more partnership. We can't partner enough. Um, if you want to throw down in your city and you just need some guidance on how to get started, shoot us an email because we want as many people out here serving as much food as possible so we can close this gap around hunger. Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time. Really appreciate you getting on here today. And uh, we can't wait to have you back. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate you all sharing your platform with me. Thank you, Valencia Gunder, for being on the podcast. Learn more about her organization, The Smile Trust, on their website, WeSmileFreely.com. That's www.WeSmileFreely.com. Thank you for listening. Asa Gedichir, co-founder of Fit to Navigate in this podcast, Mind Body Gym where we believe that if you get your mind right, your body follows, and you become that G-E-M, living your purpose here on this earth. Speaking of purpose, the purpose of this podcast is to uplift the work that we do with our social enterprise, Fit to Navigate, a well-being program that sparks entrepreneurial spirit within all of us, focused here in Columbus, Ohio, to create a pathway to prosperity for communities impacted by the criminal justice system. Learn more about our social enterprise at fittonavigate.com. Support our social enterprise by checking out our merchandise line, The Love You Give, sponsoring a woman, or staying connected with our community by subscribing to our newsletter. Thank you for listening and have a blessed day.